Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're very kindly joined by the CEO of Advanced Oncotherapy, Nicholas Sarandor. Nicholas, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Hi, Jonathan. So Advanced Oncotherapy um, trades on the London Stock Exchange under the ticker of AVO. Um, And Nicholas is joining us today because there's been a number of developments at AVO in the past month or so. So we're going to be discussing those in some details later on in the podcast. But um, as a bit of a bit of background to AVO, um, they're a company that are developing a proton beam therapy, uh, which is seen as an alternative to conventional radiotherapy. And of course, this is something that we're going to be discussing in some detail um, today. But before we do that, would you be able to give us a bit of background, Nicholas, on um, proton beam therapy and a little bit about how it works? Yeah, of course. Uh, so proton therapy is a radiation technique, which is one of the three main modalities to treat cancer, together with drugs and surgery. The principle of radiation is that particles are accelerated and then directed to the body and the tumor, where they transfer their energy and break the DNA of cells and hence kill the cancer. So most people actually know about X-rays, which use a particle called a photon. That's basically the same particle that makes sunburns. And in the case of proton therapy, as the name sounds, we're actually using a different particle called a proton. It has many advantages, including the fact that it's been used for many years, so it's well understood. It is It has a similar effect to X-rays, and most importantly, unlike X-rays, which damage tissues all along the path, in proton therapy, you can set the delivery of radiation in a specific spot in the body or in the tumor, so you actually avoid delivering radiations to healthy surrounding tissues, and hence you're really limiting the side effects. But the problem is a problem of access, because proton therapy is not widely available. In fact, there's only 90 centers in the world today offering proton therapy. And that's largely because of the infrastructure needed and the cost. So what we need to do is to democratize proton therapy. Okay, so and as you mentioned there, the, the, the technology has been there for, for some years, but your main aim at AVO is setting out to de- democratise um, proton beam therapy. Nicholas, what, what, what do you mean by democratising proton beam therapy? Today, proton therapy is costing around two to three times more uh, the cost of x-rays. So we are looking at payments in excess of 60 to 70,000 pounds. And in fact, it can actually be uh, even more for, uh, for a number of um, other tumors. So on top, and because of the cost, proton therapy is targeted at selected tumors, mainly brain tumors, head and neck, pediatric cases. So we need to democratize proton therapy, and this can happen on two fronts. One, it needs to be cheaper, 
And if we can deliver proton therapy at a price similar to X-rays, which is indeed our goal, then the opportunity is enormous. But then with a lower cost, we can also aim at deploying proton therapy to a much wider range of tumors because the physics of protons is such that radiations and proton therapy can be applied to all types of radiosensitive tumors, not just the ones which are hard to treat today. Okay, so of course this is vital work that you're doing here, Nicholas. I mean, you're obviously looking at quite a big picture there in terms of the uh, democratizing uh, proton beam therapy. I mean, how are you setting out to do this? What's the business model of um, advanced oncotherapy? Of course, as you said, and we've touched on it, it has been around for years. But what are you doing specifically within your business to get this out and and effectively treat more people? Um, Today, up to two-thirds of the project cost uh, in setting up a a proton therapy uh, facilities is in the building. It can be easily in excess of 100 to 200 million pounds just for the buildings and the installation. Now, with the machines that exist today, you need to dig the equipment three levels below the ground, protect the staff with six meters thick walls of concrete. And that's about 20,000 cubic meters of concrete, just to give you an idea. And then an accelerator can weigh between 100 to 200 tons. So you need a special 1,000 cranes just to leave the equipment. And then the machine needs to be operated at minus 269 degrees because they are superconducting magnets and that requires kilometers of cables. So these are just facts showing you how big um, a project uh, of of setting up um, a proton therapy. It's a huge engineering task. And our machine has a different design um, and the engineering constraints are therefore significantly less. In fact, we can install our own machine, the light system, piece by piece, directly, directly into an existing buildings. Um, it weighs much less, and as I said, it can be retrofitted in existing facilities. So by implication, the building costs are just a fraction. And in fact, in London, it's only £10 million pounds, uh, building costs for a project in Harley Street. That actually means that it becomes possible to reduce the cost for treating patients at essentially a fraction of what is being observed today. So that, that's, that's obviously a significant development that, that you're working on there. Um, and, and I know this is something that's been detailed to some extent in a recent um, technical trading update, which came in, in in January. Would you be able to give us some more details around that, Nicholas, and what the key updates have been for AVI recently? Yes, I think in, on, on the technical front, uh, we, we just announced that we actually have all the accelerating units on site. We have received the hardware for the treatment room. Uh, we have integrated the different medical software into one unique suite of software, and that provides one single interface for, for clients. We have generated also the beam with a full intensity So that means we have the right number of protons, and they are measured in millions, per pulse. And the next step is, therefore, to continue the conditioning process and assemble the remaining parts for treating all tumors, regardless of their depth uh, within the body.
so Nicholas, I mean, how confident are you that your facilities are going to be working um, and, and the expert team that you have around are going to be able to get your systems to, um, to, to work? Yeah, um, our technical chairman led the biggest physics and engineering project, which is the Large Hadron Collider. And as the previous head of accelerators at CERN, he actually led many of the projects. And so in comparison, light is a very small project. And in fact, he likes saying that there's no, technologic, uh, no technological risk. And indeed, that's the case because the science is well known and has been developed over many years. In fact, we already accelerated protons to be in a position to treat superficial tumors. So there's really a high level of confidence. But my job is to assume that hiccups may happen. And to be clear, hiccups may not happen around the technology itself and whether it will work or not. But my job is to ensure there's actually no delays in the executions for ensuring the first machines get assembled and treat patients as per the plan. So I have to be focused on the execution of the project. For example, how we can anticipate restrictions arising from COVID, but also have to be focused on the next steps after. So for example, what can we do to maximize the attractiveness of a system? How can we help customers fund equipments, etc.? And the deal with Diamet Care, which we just announced, gives some insight there in terms of how we are positioning ourselves in this uh, in the marketplace. So also looking here, um, Nicholas, you've just announced uh, a financing partnership with Diamedcare. How is this helping your, your process at the moment? So Diamedcare is a financing institution specialised in providing leasing arrangements for the purchase of medical equipment. They're based in Switzerland and have a lot of experience in the field of radiation. And I would actually highlight that their chairman used to be the CEO of Siemens Healthcare, a company that recently bought Varian. That partnership helps us at uh, two levels. First of all, they buy the machines um, from AVO and then lease it back to customers. So this is very important because it means customers don't have to incur a large upfront cash outlay. But also, Diamet Care is also working with us to provide facilities to fund the working capital requirements of future machines in Europe and in the US, subject, of course, to them and AVO being obviously satisfied with the credentials of a client. So we are really excited about this because these partnerships will accelerate commercial discussions and will also help us make sure our growth prospects are not limited by, by our own balance sheets through this um, essentially third-party uh, funding. And finally, let me actually add one more thing. This type of partnership is really new in proton therapy. As I mentioned a minute ago, the existing machines are very bulky and they can't be used as a security in a financing deal. But light is different. It's much smaller, it is modular, and it can actually be retrofitted. So it can actually be used as a security in a financing deal. And so that means for the first time, we are introducing here to customers a great opportunity of getting new proton machines without a large cash upfront. Nicholas, how long and how much has been invested in your technology to date? 
So Harvard published a report showing that it's costing more than $500 million to develop a complex medical device. And this is done over a period of 10 to 15 years on average. We have spent less than half of that amount, and we are now in the final stage of this project. I think we also need to remember that the time to develop an engineering concept into a fully developed industrial plan are what I would call barriers to entry. It takes years and a lot of resources to replicate what has been done so far because of the various disciplines involved. So I think your question is an opportunity for me to recognize all the support we have received from CERN over the years, all these barriers to entry, and in turn, this explains why key talents in the industry have actually joined us. So, Nicholas, when we're looking forward uh, in the AVO uh, life cycle, um, you're, you're looking at bringing facilities online soon. But what does the the revenue model look like for for AVO, and what are your revenue streams going to be? Yeah, that's a good question. There are actually four streams of of, of revenues here. Of course, the sale of the machines, uh, which could be affected through through leasing arrangements. Um, then a second stream is the maintenance and, and servicing, which tends to be done over long-term contracts. Um, the third aspect of our business model um, and cash generations relates to project management, because as part of the role, we have to align the various stakeholders. So, for example, we need to liaise with the planners and the builders but also with uh, medical users to, to ensure the setup is as optimal uh, as possible. And then the last uh, stream of, of revenues uh, relates to uh, what I would call the share of profit, which actually comes on top of the sale. That's actually what we've done in, in Cyprus and in London, where we agreed with the customer sales of the machines. So to be clear, this means that on those two transactions, we agreed to sell machines, and on top, we actually agreed to receive a share of the profit of the clinical facilities. And so in my opinion, this is significant because we can really work very closely with customers and align interest. But it's also, I think, highly underappreciated because, for example, a free treatment room system facility can expect to generate a profit of about £15 million per year, depending on the number of houses and, and, and on other assumptions. So it may sound somewhat counterintuitive here that we are selling machines and at the same time we're taking a share of the profit. And you may actually ask why um, this is being the case. And it's simply because we are aligning a pricing policy to other systems with a view of, as we discussed just a minute ago, uh, the view of democratizing proton therapy. But we're doing this whilst a machine implies much lower building and installation cost, and whilst a machine is actually designed to deliver better outcomes with a smaller beam that can be moved more quickly to treat moving targets. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Nicholas. And just to, to, to finish things off here, what, what's the potential size of the market? We've obviously just gone through there the revenue streams, um, but what does this look like in an overall market? Yeah, the, the potential is enormous. 
there are today, as I mentioned, 90 centers in the world who can treat altogether a maximum of roughly 70,000 patients in one year. That number of 90 centers actually doubled since 2008. So there's been a very strong uh, increase and increasing market awareness. But it's very far from what is actually needed, which is estimated at about 4,000 centers in the world. And that's only if we assume that 20% of the patients under radiation therapy receive proton therapy. If, of course, all the patients under radiation therapy were to receive proton therapy, we would be looking at a number massively in excess of 4,000 centers. So the potential is huge, and that's why we had to take different actions beyond the first machines to make sure we fully exploit the, the opportunity. And that means engaging with the suppliers to make sure they can address uh, that, that demand and making sure we also partner with financing institutions to support customers buying the machines. Fantastic. Nicholas, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jonathan. So just a reminder, that, that was um, CEO Nicholas Serendor um, of Advanced Oncotherapy. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.